What up? Wait for my man Utkarsh. Tap in another Mobile Homies Instagram Live edition. Can y'all hear me okay? Utkarsh, where you at, fam? <clears throat> Tap in with me. There he is. OG. What up? What up? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm super. This is like the first time we've actually talked. Yes. Yes. This is the first time, man. I'm so stoked, bro. Me too, man. Me too. Where are you right now? Are you in L.A.? I'm in L.A., yeah. We have... It's a bit of a special day. We have this um, documentary that's releasing today on Hulu called We Are Freestyle Love Supreme. So that's right. Gearing up to tell that story and share it with the world. But today, to, right now. Yeah. I, I mean, after this, we'll do a live Twitter. Have you ever done a live Twitter thing? Did you do one for Always Be My Maybe? Um, no, but I, I've done live Twitter sessions for like albums. I have done that before, and uh, it's fun, man. It's fun. It's like this, you know. It's like this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I feel like when I did it, it was um, text only, though. Got you. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't know what what it's gonna what yours will will be like. But that's well. Let's talk about that. That's really exciting, man. So FLS. Fuck all that. But I'm bugging right now. The, it's so dope, dude. I, I'm East Coast, right? I'm from Maryland, right? Uh, yeah. And I went to NYU for college, and my best friend, Nate, came from Denver. Shout out to Nate. Yeah, what up, Resonate? And I came with, um, I came with like, Outkast, Slick Rick, Big L, Big Punisher, East Coast, right? I was, like, all Wu-Tang. Like, the farthest west I got was to Cleveland, Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> Um, and so I meet Nate and Nate shows up with like freestyle fellowship, mocha only, far side, uh, Jurassic five, you know, a lot of that West coast stuff, alcoholics and lyrics born. Oh, wow. And Latif, the truth speaker and Latif and yeah. gift of gab. And, um, what, well, what's gift of gab's production partner's name again? Chief XL. Chief XL. And he brought me uh, AC Alone, all that stuff. Right. Uh, Micah 9. And I know that's L.A. based. Like, I know AC Alone and them were L in, in L.A. But, like, yeah. that Bay funk, like, the way you guys ride beats. Like, you're not – it's not, like, punchline heavy. It's not, like, hyper lyrical as a form of skill. It's like, yo, let me groove – let me just groove and your flow and vocal style in particular has influenced me so much, man. So I just want to thank you. Like you're one of the first cats that I heard sing and rap with the intonation that you have and have it. It wasn't about like any gangster shit. It wasn't like, cause crazy bone might be my favorite rapper of all time. Crazy bone is sick, but I would, I could never get caught talking about what he talks about. <laughs> You're never going to hear me be like, mo murder, mo murder, mo murder. But you can't, you could hear me be like, calling out to all area crew. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. just the way you move between a lower register, which is super resonant, and then that sort of high toasting mm. flow that you have is huge. And the fact that, like, you did a track with me, for those who don't know, like, I hit up LB because... Yeah, know each other kind of through Rafa and the blind spotting experience and right Randall Park and I sort of sort of started hovering close enough to you to like kind of tap you on the shoulder and have it not be weird which was awesome man which was cool yeah you're I think the first person that I've ever reached out to like hey uh you're the OG and like I'm a big fan and for us to be able to work together and do this song Misfits was like a dream so thank you so much for being a part of that thank you man and and by the way the song came out awesome and and it's funny now that you mentioned um crazy bone you said crazy bone right oh yes i, I now, now that you mentioned that i hear that like in your flow for a lot of people that don't know i mean I, I obviously 
many, many, most people know you as an actor, but right. they don't know that Utkarsh can spit. You know what I mean? Like, and they probably saw you do your thing when you, how, what, let me, we got to talk about that too. We have to talk about, that was the Academy Awards, right? Where you, yes. where it's, okay, we must talk about that in a second. But okay. um, a lot of people, obviously they know you from the, the many, many things that you've done on screen, but they don't know that you can spit. And, and the first time I saw you was, uh, that I saw you rap was, um, it was at Rafa's house and I, uh, uh, talking about Rafael Casal and, and, and it was at his crib and it was you, Randall, mm -hmm. Rafa, Wayne Brady and David and Diggs. And, and David, yes. <laughs> and everybody spit. And I, and I was like, this dude's fire. Right. And I, and I recognized you from, you know, from, from seeing you places, but I was like, wow. So when, so after that, when you reached out, I was like, and I heard the song and I was like, oh my God, he's killing. And then when I got into the studio, you know, shout out to Kyle, by the way, the, the producer. Yeah. That's my boy. Yep. Thanks Kyle. Studio. And I was able to listen to the tracks and I was listening to all your harmonizing and everything. I'm like, this dude's not even using auto-tune. This is incredible. You know what I mean? It was just so spot on. Like, it was really amazing. Anyway. Thank you. But, and thank you. completely inspired yeah. by you, by the way. I'm basically doing an impression <laughs> of my version of Lyrics Born, which is what's so cool about it is that people can hear me and then hear the real thing right after. Thank you. Yeah. And the song is called Misfits and it's sick. And it, it, it had been the first time in a long time that I actually felt challenged. Thanks, man. Yeah. So that was really dope, man. So so how are you holding up, man? How's everything going for you right now? You got a song called Bad Dreams, bro. <laughs> and let's just say every once a decade or once every six, seven years, that song becomes a heavy rotation song. Okay, okay, right. Well, it must be almost 20 years old now, right? 2004, 2005, 15 years old, that song. Yeah. If not more. 16 years old, man, now. Yeah, this year. It's crazy. It's pretty, uh, no, that's a bit of a joke, but I'm okay, man. We're, we're hanging in. I got a newborn. I got a three-month-old son. That's right. Um, Congratulations. Thank you, bro. I know you're a pop, so I've been watching you, father, and trying to, take the same lightness of being in my family that you have in yours. And I'm cooking a storm in the kitchen. I see you doing your thing. Let me ask you this. Are you sleeping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's He's sleeping through the night and, and my wife is a superhero. Like we, we have a schedule that works for both of us so that we get rest. Yes. Um, awesome. We're doing it. Knock wood. We're doing it. Well, I hear a lot of horror stories, but I, I you know, this experience makes me want to, uh, get another one in the oven real quick. <laughs> it's fun, man. I love being a dad. And it's so cool to be like, mm, you know, my daughter now is she's five and she's a stepdaughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no difference. But like, um, I didn't get to sort of see her as a newborn in that way. Right. So to have the experience of this child and my daughter's beatboxing now and she's making up her own songs and talking about and she's into superheroes and we have her on that diversity tip with all the marvel women of color and she's really um and dc women of color as well i don't want to you know if dc's listening i got we got love too you know what i'm saying like you could send free shit also but um <laughs> but um yeah it's super fun to have this this little boy who i'm rapping to and i'm doing all my favorite verses to him and mm. you know he's cooing and ooing back and beatboxing and just trying to I feel like we're inherently born with language as humans and then we just sort of learn what words we're supposed to put to the feelings mm. so if I can infuse in him this this idea of rhythm syncopation music lyricism at yeah. a age I mean he's three months old like my my wife is like yo you gotta let this motherfucker live <laughs> like let him learn how to lift his head up before right. you try and teach him the whole verse, you know, Busy Bones verse from Notorious Thugs. It's like, <laughs> like start simple. Start with some Wonder Mike before you jump to Razkaz. What are you thinking? That's awesome, man. So he's like, he's he's in the crib, in the crib, literally and figuratively, and he's 
getting ultra lyrical from day one. Yeah. Month yeah. three. Yeah. Know. I'm like, him at raining, raining, nicotine, and don't so fun. <laughs> and he's like, what? But, um. I miss my dolls, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, were you like that with, with your kids? Were you, did you fill you them know, with that music? Were you excited to share that with them? Or how did that go for you? I, I don't know that I actually, like, ever rapped to him, you know, but I think just by birth, you know, and he's really into music now, but I think it's just because, you know, he used to, we, he was in the show, you know, like we would put him in the shows and he, like, he was at the time he was really into breakdance. He loves trap now, which is crazy. Like, and he's, he's super big on like internet rappers. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, have you ever, because your voice, your flow, your style, the way you approach things as a musician, like your lyricism has so much musicality to it. Yeah. Have you tried? I know you've tried to get off on a trap beat. Have you tried to sort of explore that world and, and see what you would at least sonically sound like? Dude, I totally want to. I, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you peeped this album we put out last year. I I did with uh, Cutso. It was called Rap Night. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Okay, so... With the moon on the cover. Yes, yeah. So we're working on another Rap Night, um, slowly, you know? And, uh, I, and I had this laundry list of, like, stuff that I, I felt like he could do and that we should try. And that's, you know, I, I, obviously I probably feel the same way that you do, which is like, you know, you want to do it in your own way. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just like how you said, you know, you pr it, it would feel out of character. You'd feel sort of out of your zone if you were doing like 100% authentic busy bone lyrics, yeah. you know? It's like certain shit I just can't talk about and have it be right. But as far as a style, absolutely. I totally, I'm, I'm down for anything, man. I'm down for anything, man, you know? So, but absolutely. I could see you in that deep ass, like on a papa, on a rocket, a baba, the zivet, a soul stopper, the divot. Like I could, I feel like it's a artistically, thematically, it's a huge step away uh, from what you're used to. But creatively, artistically, sonically, I feel like your voice, your style, would move seamlessly into it. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I, you know, so how long have you been rapping? Because just just from hearing your songs, I'm like, oh, this dude's been at it for a minute. I mean, he doesn't. You sound very seasoned, you know what I'm saying? So Thank you. I've been I've been doing it since I'm twelve, thirteen years old. Wow. So I've been freestyling since I I knew what freestyling was. Like mm. I don't know about you, but we had the tape recorders and I would just you know, that whatever it was, I think the only thing I can remember right now, but I know it was earlier than this, but was that Snoop's Upside Your Head track, that second Snoop album, which was just like everyone was like what? <laughs> Everyone's like, where's Drake? What'd you do, bro? <laughs> like before he went Master P. But like, I remember rapping over that beat because it still had some funk to it and making up songs into a tape recorder. And then what I would do, you know, and it's funny, I just had like, I just like had my therapy. And so we were talking about what it's like to grow up South Asian in the US and be an other and want the attention of the Caucasian people and how do you get that attention? And it's like, well, yeah, I can be funny and I can rap. And so I would start making up songs about the people I went to school with and they seemed to like that. And so that I think is where it was born. It was like, oh, I could fit in because I have this skill set or this aptitude for something that other people aren't doing mm. um, or thinking they can do, right? Yeah. So, and it then was I started practicing it, man. I went through high school, college. I was in New York. I started going to the New York Poets Cafe. I started battling. Wow. Really looking at the history of it. Like, why does Eminem exist? Royce to 5'9", why do they exist? They mm. exist because of a single line. Mm. It's a Big Daddy Kane line. It's the B-I-G, the D-A-D-D-Y-K-A-N-E. That is why Eminem exists. That rhyme. Because... Mm that compound syllabic structure like why does black thought exist he exists because cool g rap exists like right. just see why where these people come from how did why does snoop dogg exist because slick rick was telling stories first right. like right and so i got into the real 
ethos of it, which is, and in that time also, like not to, well, I guess to give you your flowers while you're still here, I was a huge follower of you as well and your movement and Gift to Gab and the whole lyricism and just the funk of the Bay. And not like on that, of course, like Too Short, Mac Dre, all that stuff. Yeah. E-40. Who's just like, you hear E-40 and you're like, I can't learn from this because it's there's nothing like it. That's interesting. Oh, you mean like he's so unique? Like, so unique that it's like, if I were to even try to move a bit, you, everyone would be like, stop doing E-40. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. He's very singular. There's nobody like him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So then and then I was in acting school and all the early work that I got was based around hip hop. You know, the first job I did was a hip hop theater play. The second job was a hip hop theater festival show. What year is this? I mean, like what, what year? What time? Oh, I just fast forwarded all the way to probably 2004, 2005. OK, OK. And then Pitch Perfect, I guess, is what. Oh, Freestyle Love Supreme was this group of freestyle rappers who were doing comedy. Mm hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton, Chris Jackson from Hamilton, David Diggs from Hamilton and Snowpiercer, James Michael right. Hart from Disney's Aladdin, Anthony Veneziali, Jelly Donut, Arthur Lewis, Bill Sherman, Chris Shockwave Sullivan, Tommy Kale, who directed Hamilton, among other many other things. And we yeah. have new members, Anissa Folds and Kayla Milady. And I fucking, there's so many people now. If I've missed anyone, it's your fault. But... Um, <laughs> I joined that group, and I remember we were in Seattle doing something called a Bumbershoot Festival. We were on a comedy circuit with, like, Amy Schumer, Anthony Jeselnik, Hurry Kundabolu, Kyle Kinane, all these people before they blew up. And I got a call from my agent saying I had gotten this movie called Pitch Perfect. And I got that movie because Donald Glover said no to it. My role, my name in that movie is Donald because Donald Glover was like, the Gambino is too big for this shit. Yeah, I, I heard this. I, I, I think I heard this story. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So Donald says, no, I get the role. They let me beatbox. They let me rap. Mindy Kaling sees the movie. She wants to put a rapping brother in her show. Mm. I'm doing a play off-Broadway called Modern Terrorism, making, like, uh, not enough money a week. And they offer me the role. And it's like, to get an offer as an actor is pretty big deal. Oh, it's huge, right? It's the first time I had ever been offered anything where you like anybody was going to actually see it. Mindy yeah. Kaling is a is a revered figure and person in the South Asian community. And uh, I a fucking pioneer, bro. I mean, yeah, she's a multi-hyphenate author. Well, now it's like she's a mom, she's a great mom, she's a good buddy, she's a great big sister. Yeah. And she's also all those other things that we know. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and this was all within how many years of you graduating or being at NYU? Within five years, six years, or? No, that was 2012. That was, that was like six, it took like six or seven years. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable that, that, I mean, I'm not saying it was easy by any stretch, but I'm just saying, I mean, that's amazing that, within that period of time all these opportunities compounded for you you know it's it's unusual you know like i was i was going through your wikipedia yesterday and i was just like for such a at such a young age you know to have achieved these moments these milestones particularly for an actor of color you know what i mean to sort of and and i think one of the things that, that i realized is like when you mentioned mindy or you mentioned you know that that because I had heard the story about how um, you got the role that Donald turned down, you know, but it, it, it's also indicative of a shift in showbiz. You know what I mean? Where I mean, we're obviously we're not at the promised land yet, but I mean, you see this shift where there's more opportunities now. Well, so. you you're a case in point. You're you are um, you're proof of that with always always be my maybe. Mm, mm -hmm. Yo, shout out Zeps. What up, Zeps? Rhymosaurus is my homie Zeps, who's a ferocious freestyle rapper and okay. also a great dad as well what up daddy what up, daddy <laughs> zips he once showed up to a battle in a robot wait was that you zips who showed up to a battle in a robot costume or was that top from the bush i don't remember um that's I remember. but i know he uh, anyway sorry to to 
to jump off. Yeah, you know what's funny is like, you know, Charles Barkley has this awesome quote where he's like, when you're in high school, you, you gauge how good you are based on your peers. So you go in high school and you go, I'm a pretty good high school player. And then you get to college and you start from the bottom again. And then you go, oh, I'm a pretty good college player. And then you get to the pros. And this is where it shifts when you're in showbiz, quote unquote, or sports, is the best sports players still rise to the top. Absolutely. So I was in these sheltered environments where in high school, I was like, I have an aptitude for this. I'm a pretty good high school actor, entertainer. College, I was looking at my peers and I was like, yeah, I could probably take these dudes. And I was looking at it from a sports mentality, right? Where it's like, your merit will, will yield results. Mm -hmm. um, if you work hard, you'll achieve. And then I get to the quote unquote pros. I get an agent, I get all that. And I was like, well, I know, and this is foolish ego, call it what it is, confidence. You know, yeah. you're going to be like, what a narcissist. He hasn't done anything like you. I hate to say it to you, but you have to have some a dumb amount of confidence to be an actor or a musician. You have to believe in yourself in a way that might be putting to others. Absolutely. Um, but I get to the quote unquote pros and they're like, oh, man, you're like the Indian. And this is what people said. They're like, you're the Indian usher. You're like a Will Smith. You're like this. You're like that. Now go audition for like the nerdy computer guy. You'll never be, but the, the only roles that were available were roles that nobody ever would cast me in. I was like too hip hop for the namesake. Right. Like, not, not cool enough in their eyes for the cooler roles. There's no way they would ever see me as a lead character. Not a mm. chance. Up until last year, Britney runs a marathon. That's the first time I was given an opportunity to play yeah. a lead role. And oh. why? It's so heartening to see somebody like Randall, Randall Park, for those who don't know, be in Always Me, My Maybe, be in Fresh Off the, um, not, yeah, Fresh Off the Boat. Like, he's like the big bro and such a hopeful, you know, uh, example of what, what can be. But for me, it was like, I thought I was going to be, again, dumb amount of confidence, people's top 25, under 25, right? Mm. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be it. Mm -hmm. And partly because of my own laziness and a and a, a hyper uh, focus on the party aspect of life, being in New York, promoting parties, hitting the clubs, rapping, freestyling, not really moving my business forward, moving my life experience, I don't know, in some direction. Wait, Udkarsh was a party promoter? I was. Fuck yes, continue. I did a show, I did a party called Mixtape Riot in New York. Okay. With Charlie Bethel and Kadeem O. And if you, anybody listening, want that good, good kimchi, holler at, <laughs> holler at, at Mama O's Kimchi because my boy Kadeem went from DJ O to the ill kimchi Don Dada. He's slanging <laughs> that cabbage, probiotics for your belly. Fight the COVID the natural way. <laughs> Mama O's Kimchi. And, um, okay. And Charlie Bethel, who, uh, is, uh, at Chuck Wild. He's got a new album. He goes by Captain Planet. He's a world music phenom. I mean, he's got millions and millions and millions of plays in his own right. Um, but we used to throw these parties, Mixtape Riot. I think we were the first people to have Santi Gold perform in New York. Like, I can't remember. Yeah. There wow. are people like that. It's huge. But these things happen slower than I would have liked. Mm. <laughs> like, and I think a lot of it, you know, you, you talk about the... I don't know what it's like for you. I mean, what's it like being, I mean, you're OG, you have well, your own record label, you're an Asian MC and you've never tried not to be. I, I'm, I'm curious about this, your, your journey a little bit more though. So, so and I, I cut you off there and I, I, I shouldn't have because I, I wanna hear this, this part, this next level part um, about, about your journey because you, you get to the pro and you're like, I'm the shit. You know, I like just use your sports analogy. I've dominated yeah. in every league I've ever been in. You know what I mean? And I get here, and it's not the same environment. You know, so 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 like walk me through that. What did that do to? You? How did that affect you? What did you have? How did you modify your game? Yeah. So on the one hand, it it can break you down. It can eat you alive if you if I base my self worth and validation on what somebody else thinks of me. Yeah. So if somebody decides that because I'm brown, I'm not worthy of playing the same roles as white actors, mm -hmm. then I'm going to 
be miserable, right? I'm going to think I'm worthless. And we already live in a society with your, hey, Adam Devine is my guy. That's my bumper. That What <laughs> up, bro? Ooh, wait, baby, bubba. So Adam and I became good friends doing Pitch Perfect. And then we did a movie called Game Over Man, which he wrote. And you got to peep Adam's special on Netflix. Adam, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but you know I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so if I go and I think about what somebody else's idea of me is, I'm not going to do well. So I've always tried to stay true. And what was so nice about being an MC is I can always go back to the cipher. Yeah. And I can always express myself, me, God, the universe, you with a beat. And I can always tell my truth. And I feel like I'm sure you do. I feel free in the music. And I feel alive when I'm in the booth. And so whatever happens as an actor, it doesn't matter because I'm always going back to the river. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when when you but when you're having these moments, like I said, where like you're like, I've dominated in every league I've ever been in. I know I'm good, which I a hundred percent agree with you. And and maybe that's the hit that's the MC that gives you that kind of well no, it's it's that I mean you have to be that way to be an MC for sure, you know. And I it's interesting that a lot of the guys, a lot of the the men and women that I talk to that, that sort of have this attitude about about excelling in acting they either have rapped at some point uh -huh. or, the, or the huge hip-hop fans you know randall included you know randall's just, got bars for days it, and it and it just it, it, i feel like it sort of instills this drive in you you know what i mean and so when you're having these moments now that you've gone pro and you do start to break through right what do you, what did you attribute that to? Because I, I, I feel the same way. There's so many obstacles for us. Yeah, well, I got, I was extremely fortunate. Like I said, like Donald said, no. Right. And then I also, it's so funny that Adam hopped on. Mm. Is like, you know, I had to learn what it's like. Because another thing too is like, when you do, when you're an MC, when you're showing up, when you're doing shows, when you're young, when you're entitled, when you're walking around with that energy, it can really, it's not professional right it can really have i had to learn how to show up on time like i was somebody who i wouldn't i wouldn't prepare yeah i'd come in and i'd be like i'm dope i'll wing it like right. i'd get an audition and i'd be like so what i'll do it my way right. like i had that and i've been i've worked with famous rappers in movies and i won't name names but like you see them be like oh, musicians not just rappers it's not just hip-hop I think yeah. the music industry really breeds a sense of authenticity and uniqueness that doesn't lend itself well to being told what to do. Um, and so I'd get sides and I'd be like, this ain't me. So I'll do it my way. Then I'd go do the audition my way. And they'd be like, we're not going to hire him because he doesn't know how to memorize lines. Like, mm. didn't he go to acting school? How disrespectful do you have to be? This person spent months, if not years, writing these lines meticulously. They were noted and now having written for television and film. I understand how meticulous and how grueling the studio process is of just having to appease to these people who are trying to keep their jobs by giving you the dumbest notes at times. Not always. I've worked with some incredibly intelligent, giving people. That being said, what up? Yo, Fab, you got to get lyrics born some beats these uh fab is a part of the production team the olympics okay. and they knock so hard oh wow hey fab fab you gotta hit up <laughs> lb with some of that good 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 none of the ones you gave me though those are mine um <laughs> but you, you um, know that's i had to learn how to be professional and i had to learn the other thing that i learned is i would leave auditions feeling awful all the time and I would feel like I hadn't done my best. I started to learn that I wasn't doing my best. It's because I wasn't prepared. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, I'm a lot more in their vein. And anybody who's done Freestyle Left Supreme with me on stage knows that if I see something that's not at the highest level, yeah. I can get quite moody. Okay. Um, I want people to play to the highest degree yes. of efficiency, listening, and effectiveness that they possibly can mm. and that doesn't always rub people the right way 
and my friends love me, thank God. And I've also learned how to dial that back for other people's souls and spiritual, right. you know, the camaraderie, the family aspect. But I realized like, you're not memorizing the lines. You're not making strong choices. I, I did a track with Donald in college back in the day. And mm -hmm. he sent me the beat. I never looked at it. I got high as hell and I went in the booth and I freestyled whatever I came to mind. Yes. Like, can you imagine, I was the dude who would go into a recording session and I would freestyle 40 different takes. And then I would look to the producer and be like, you do it. I'd be that, like, cut, cut it together. Yeah, that's really interesting, man. And, and I think I, I, I know 100% that attitude that you're talking about. I, because, you know, there have been several times where I went out for auditions and I was like, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, fuck this shit, I'm going to do it, mom. You, you know what I mean? And you're absolutely right. You don't get it. You don't get the fucking wrong because you don't, you're not approaching it with respect. Yeah. You know, and it, it's that sort of confidence that borders on arrogance that, that we as MCs often straddle that line, you know, and, and it bleeds over into other disciplines and it doesn't work there. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's entitlement. Really, yeah. truly. And it's an, for me, it's an entitlement based out of insecurity and fear that my best is not going to be good enough. Mm. But what yeah. I've learned is that doing my best is enough for me. Mm. So, like, I learned that if I know that I did all my shit, I processed it, I made my choices, I was on time. Right. You know, I did all the things that make me feel like a person of integrity. I actually dressed for the part. You know, I took my studs out. I was res respectful to the process. Yes. Then when I leave, I can take those sides. These are imaginary sides, throw them in the trash and never think about what happened again. Mm. I'm free. Because you know, you left it all out on the field. Yes. Yeah. Same, same thing. Like if you hollered at me and you're like, I need you in the studio. I respect you immensely. I look up to you as a Thank musician. You. I have, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and it's Thank so you. cool to be able to talk with you. Thank you. But like, like if you were if you were like come to the studio, yeah, I would bring the respect. Like you know, you're like be at the studio at two. I'd be in the parking lot at one fifty. I'd be, first of all, I would listen to every one of your songs and albums before I showed up. Yeah. I'd be at the parking lot. I'd do my research just right. to spend time with you. Yes, and that way I would know that the experience would be one of respect and care. It's like it's basic. It's wake up, make the bed, brush your teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like pick up the phone. It's just basics. <clears throat> I didn't have basics when I got into this business. I had talent and no discipline and no respect. What was the wake up call for you at that to, when you said, okay, I have to, I have to step my game up. There was a couple of things. Um, you know, there's a big one that's talked about in the documentary, the freestyle of Supreme documentary. I think the first one was, I was, I was, I would complain so much. Oh, these, the Caucasian institution is keeping me down and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I remember my dad once was like, yo, maybe you're, he would never say yo, but my dad was like, <laughs> right. my dad was like, maybe you're not as good as you think you are. Ah. And yeah. two things happened. One, I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and the second part was like, but the, you're right about something. Yes. There's some truth in what you're saying. Because while I may have the talent and the instrument, I'm not playing it the right way. Mm. And the, the second thing was like, if you keep getting close and not getting it, it ain't the world, it's me. Because mm. I'm also seeing my peers succeed. Right. And, and I'm seeing attributes that they have that I'm not displaying, mm -hmm. specifically a work ethic. Work ethic, okay. And then for me, like, I, I mean, for me, my personal thing is I had to get sober. Like I was, okay. I, I had to clean up. I was, you know, and it's an everyday thing. It's not some fucking rah, rah, let's all dance. Sure. Anybody in recovery or who knows about recovery knows that it's an ongoing journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm nowhere near a fully formed human being. Like I come to you today, five years away from a time that was really dark. And yeah. in five years, I might be, hopefully I'm still moving in the good foot that way. Right. Who knows, man? We go lateral, we go backwards, forwards, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. 
but I had to clean up and it's talked about in the documentary, you know, Lynn and I soulmates as it were brethren in rhyme, um, and in life. <clears throat> and he came to me with the role of Aaron Burr in mm. Hamilton. And yes. I did it a couple times, but by that point, my drinking was so far gone that I was unable to be the person that they wanted and needed me to be. Right. And they were like, you can act, you can rap, you can sing, you're our guy. Mm-hmm. And all of Lynn's early tapes, uh, demos, are him rapping like this, because this is what he thinks I sound like. So he's like doing his version of me, just right. like I do my version of you on Misfits. And, you know, I think <clears throat> this is what we're talking about. So I think that I probably would have been let go from Hamilton anyways, because Leslie Odom, who ended up playing Burr, yeah. is just a diamond. I mean, he's a true unicorn. I mean, and his performance is transcendent. And I don't want to take away from his brilliance. What the real story for me is, is that I let go of, missed, couldn't meet, and a huge opportunity. And it's not so much that I'm not in Hamilton. It's that I'll never know what my best would have looked like at that time. Yeah. And I've come, that's not how I feel now. That's how I feel then, right? I'm like, oh my God, I didn't, I will never know yeah. what the best version of me in that role would be. And, and when you know you have that, like when you know, when you're a confident person, you know you have the ability and you know you can pull it off. That's a really hard thing to take. That is a really hard, and, and, I mean, Obviously, you've gone on to do amazing things, but I I 100% understand what you're talking about in that moment, you know, that you, that's a bitter pill to fucking swallow, man, you know, at that moment, you know. It's, yeah, you know, it was never bitter. It was more, there was heartbreak around it, but then just so much more gratitude for my friendships. You know, those guys could have easily been like, yo, you, I mean, you fucked up our business, Right. This is how we were going to pay for our kids, kids, kids. And they ended up still being able to do that. And and that's a testament to that relationship, too. Right. I mean, the fact when Lynn are still close, you know what I mean? After something like that. I mean, that's huge. It's just a testament to the bond that you guys have. You know, we we all are. And I think that is really expertly captured in this movie that came out today. We are Freestyle Love Supreme. You get a lot of you get to see us rapping. You get to see our relationships, you get to hear about the Hamilton story, the In the Heights story, kind right. of where we all came from, how we came together. Crazy. It's exciting to be a part of it, for sure. So crazy, man. And, and um, you know, just just going back to, to one of the things that you said, I think that as you sort of turn the corner, you know, I mean, you're dealing with sobriety, you're dealing with just the, the, the um, the challenges of the industry, you know what I mean? And I think one of the things that you said that I think I see a lot of people struggling with, man, is when things don't go their way in in the business, I see it in music also. They're like, they won't let me achieve. But who are we to say, man? Like, I'm not entitled to anything. Right. So it's like, who the fuck are you to say you deserve anything? If if you're really, you know, and this isn't about religion, it's about heart and mind. If you're God-centered and you are in a place of surrender and acceptance and you do your work, there's the results don't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, I wash the dishes the same way that I write raps. I like, you know what I'm saying? You go yeah. slow, you go easy, you make sure them shits are clean. Quality. And then you clean the sink after, you know what I'm saying? Like clean out the sink too. It ain't just about the dishes. Right. And that's, that's like, that's how we approach stuff. And I've found that that approach to life, it just makes, it just is so nice. Like I thrive in my personal relationships Mm. because we get to have fun. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what's so cool about being able to reach out to you is like, thank you. And have you respond. It's like, Dude, those 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 moments are, are special. Well, I mean, that, that's what I took from that's what I t- like when your father said, well, maybe you're not good enough. I didn't take that as him literally saying, oh, you're not good enough. I, I just took that as him saying, 
you have to approach this. My takeaway when I to my ears, it's like you have to approach the shit with humility. You have to approach it with respect. And the world doesn't owe you shit. No. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing that I think I, too, got caught up on in that early on in my career, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. I was like, why is it that all my peers are getting signed by major labels? Why is it that they're being all afforded all these opportunities? You know, and who were your peers at the time, like Black Alicious, Lifesavers, like all of them? I'm like, I, I would say, you know, everybody, you know, Black Alicious, Shadow, High Road, Dilated Peoples, Jurassic Park, you know what I mean? And at the time, I just remember feeling like, I'm just as good as these guys. My numbers are just, if not better than some of them. You know, I mean, talent-wise, we're all comparable. You know what I mean? And and you know that part to me, it really bothered me for years. But my takeaway, finally, because I was like you, it was like I came up in every stage of my career. I, I dominated. You know, and I was I, I was like I should be. I that, which is very fucking dangerous to yep. say. I should be. I should be, you know, and I just realized now it wasn't the journey that I was supposed to have. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, that for whatever reason, fair or not, the universe has other plans. And I think once I started to kind of take that approach, it was easier for me to kind of contextualize everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Move. And, and then you it's really hard to see the force for the trees because then it's like. If you hyper focus on career, you lose the fact that like you have a beautiful wife and family and kids, and not even that is like you've been an independent. You've been an independent artist for like I don't know how long. You've put out, released, recorded, pressed, learned how to create. So now you're in a pandemic, and like you know what to do. Right. You've been on that solo dolo tip for yeah. so long that like I know how to generate from self because yeah. I've been forced to do it for my entire quote unquote career life. I've had to tell my own story because, well, I don't know about you. Did you have like an M do you have like a role model who's ethnically the like in line with you? No, I don't, man. Not yeah. in music, not in music. I mean, you, you know, probably like, I mean, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but probably like you coming up, there were, there weren't any. You know, there weren't any. There was no there was no roadmap that said for me anyway, other than the guys that I idolized, like Rakim, Karis, one, Cool G Rap, Tupac. You know. Right. And same and same for me. Like, but as you know, yeah, you can be of hip hop culturally, obviously racially, there's a whole there's a divide that is there for a reason. Yeah. And that you I I, in my experience, there was always like a point at which folks were like, this is as far as you get. So, <laughs> and I get that. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think that's why hip hop has been so amazing for so many peoples. Cause it, 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 it instilled this spirit and this kind of this, uh, at least in, in, in my era, like a code of ethics. Right. And an attitude that I, that, in my experience and what I'm hearing from you as well, it totally contributed to this attitude of if I don't advocate for myself, if I don't feel good about myself and my ability, no matter how outsized it may appear to people, I will never get anywhere because there's so many obstacles out there. And this is the thing that, that really propels me is this sort of hip hop attitude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, I'm not surprised when I hear you speak about it this way, you know, how, how it sort of fueled you and how these parts of your life, these parts of your life kind of synthesized, these two arts kind of synthesized, you know. You ever read that KRS-One book? Like, the, I think it was called like The Art of Rap or something like that. No, maybe Art of Rap was the dude from Dead Prez. KRS-One wrote a book, too. Yeah. Ruminations. I, he's written a few. I, I, I read one of them that was, you know, it was years ago. I don't remember. Oh, he wrote a book, and I did this for years, even during Freestyle Love Supreme shows. And he said, when you go on stage, wear layers. And Dude, I was about to say that. He was like, wear baggy clothing. He was telling you what to fucking wear. Yes. Yeah. He was right. like, wear baggy clothing, wear right. layers, 
remove the layers, even if you're not working hard, yeah. even if it's easy as shit, you yeah. want to give off the, <laughs> the, uh, 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 the image that you are working hard. Yes. So I did that at Freestyle Love Supreme shows. I'd start with a hoodie, and then I'd unzip the hoodie, and then I'd take the hoodie off from my right. from my thing, and I would do that. And people were like, why Why are you doing that? I'm like, Karis one said you have to do it. <laughs> right. Because of that quote, I do that too. And, and all, in, in gigs, because it also, your look progresses. Right. If, if you're, you know, in, in a very small way, you're, you, you know, your look is metamorphosizing throughout the course of the performance. That's so crazy that you that you that you hung on to that quote too, because I did too, man. I'm I'm, I'm really happy to, that that I'm able to do this with you. And you and I, we can talk about we can talk about me anytime. You know what I mean? But Nobody. the point here is, I want to see. You know, it's really important that people are able to see you and and hear you speak, and because this was a huge moment for me when I. That, that that moment at the Oscars, this guy is on stage spitting, you know, at the, I mean, how did that, how did, what was the genesis of all that? How did that come about? I was doing Freestyle Love Supreme on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stephanie Elaine, who produced the Oscars, her mm -hmm. son, Wade, and I have been friends, like family for a long time. Wow. <clears throat> And so she knows me. She knows me since I'm a kid. She's seen me in every venue. And she reached out and asked me if I could write the opening number, actually, for the Oscars. She, wow. was, she was like, wow. we have somebody. I can't tell you who. Will you write the opening number? I was like, that's terrifying. Let's do it. It feels like, it's like it's, that sounds so fucking scary. Let's go. So then I wrote sort of an opening number and they got Janelle Monet and Janelle Monet's our James Brown, like she's the next, she's the next coming of Prince. Hundred percent, yeah. Best live performer I've ever seen, bar none. She obviously was like, no, I don't need this dude to write my shit. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, cool, like we're good. And then, then she asked me, hey, there's we have this idea in the middle of the show. Can you just do a recap mid-show and just tell us what's going on? Mm. So I was like, oh, now you want me to rap. First, you just wanted me to write. Now you want me to perform. That sounds wow. even worse. Let's do it. I was like, Let's right, totally, yeah. So, so that's kind of how that came about. And, you know, the macro, the bigger picture is the Oscars were totally whitewashed for the most part, other than Parasite. And I think that that snapback with Parasite winning, it's a phenomenal movie, and everybody in that movie crushed. Everything about it deserves every award. But they populated the stage and the presenters with as much diversity as they could to offset the total lack of it in the nominees. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We all knew it, but it was really cool, man. I got to work with an amazing musical director. I got to work with Questlove. Mm. And the main thing was managing the fear of failure, like sort of managing the fear up until the point of execution was my body going like, run! run motherfucker run <laughs> and then and then me being like yo it's cool we put in thousands of hours like mm. don't worry like we've done this in front of hundreds if not hundreds of thousands of people like actually this is the only thing you enjoy doing <laughs> this is like like my body keeps forgetting that right now i'm like a fish out of water mm -hmm. i'm up here breathing oxygen when i'm not supposed to be and every time I, I'm about to go on stage, my body's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then I go on stage, I grab the mic, and all of a sudden, it's like you drop me into water. And I'm like, how come I feel so good? It's like, because, motherfucker, you've been flopping around on land up until this moment. And you keep right. forgetting that this is where you belong, bro. And then you have Questlove, who's a genius and who's such a gracious and... Um, open, very unassuming guy, no ego on Amir at all. And they let me do my thing and I didn't, I didn't blow it and all the guesses that I made, you know, yeah. everything I prepared happened to be correct. Like mm. I guessed that Parasite would win. I guessed that Taika would win. Right, yeah. Right. And Taika's my friend and I, I'm really happy he won. And the first person I saw when I walked out was Brad Pitt. And he smiled at me. <clears throat> He's got a very, very nice smile. Man, <laughs> just 
the dude had just won an Oscar, so he was feeling real good, right? He felt right. so nice. And then yeah. Yeah. I saw the ass off that day, basically. Right? He was yeah. chilling, bro. And then I saw Mahershala Ali, who we know each other through Raphael and Diggs, yeah. know of each other. And I saw him, and he gave me this, yeah. not a smile, but a smolder. He smized at me. Smiles at you, right? Yeah. A smolder. <laughs> and then I saw Taika. Yeah. And I think I was able to voice my fear. I don't really remember the rap at all right now. I'll have to watch it again at some point. Although mm. watching it gives me a feeling of puke because of that physical feeling of remembering, like, how awful <laughs> it is to, like, do live television in front of a bunch of rich people you don't know. But yeah. I think I was able to voice it at the beginning and say, like, I don't belong here. Like, what am I doing here? Mm. I said something like that. Well, the the other thing that was awesome to me too is that your look was crazy. That was sick. You had like the traditional patterns, but it was cut into this awesome suit. I was like, oh, he looks funky. You know what I mean? I was like, and you had just got your hair cut and shit. You know what I mean? Yo, I caught a wave, man. I caught a curl that day that was I haven't seen before or since. You had amazing volume. It was amazing. <laughs> it was buoyant, to say well, the least. Right. <laughs> we were getting seasick out here. Oh, hey, hey. And then um, Sandy Lion designed the suit. Sandy Lion. And man, oh, man. S-A-N-D-Y-L-Y-O-N. She is a, not L-Y, L-I-O-N. That's how you spell lion. Lion. That's like an awesome 90s dance hall name. But go ahead. Yeah, she, <clears throat> she crushed it, man. And. Right. Lily, Lily Singh and Humble the Poet and Sandy are all fam, and mm. she just made me feel and look so good and confident and proud of my culture and proud of who I am. I thought it was an amazing moment, man. I thought it was a really, on, on so many different levels, man. I all, thought all her, all her and also my wife and Jenny Ricker, my stylist, who all got behind it, and everybody believes in it. You know, I, I'm blessed that the people I work with know who I am know where I'm coming from, know the stories I'm trying to tell and support them. You know, nobody's trying to make me, you know, no one's trying to put me in J. Crew. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, listen, man, um, I'm glad we finally got this time to talk. I know you're really busy today and I really appreciate you doing this. Yo, thank you for listening to Mobile Homies. Make sure you subscribe and hit me with a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. For more content, hit up lyricsborn.com. Love y'all. Uh.